you got your Bible, would you open up to Luke chapter 5? Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to hang out today, and I'm really excited about this two-part series that I'm doing. It's called 180 Degrees, 180 Degree Turnaround. We're, we're, we're looking for a turnaround in our lives, and it's hard to believe that we're already seven weeks into 2018. Um, we're almost two months into this new year, and it feels to me like um, Thanksgiving just was yesterday. Does anybody feel like that? You know, it just seems like, man, where's this time gone already? We're seven weeks into 2018. As we began the year, we kicked off this year with this um, series that we called Party People. And what I don't want to do is stop the concept um, of, of party people. God created us to be people that celebrate. We're gonna learn today in this story that people celebrate when they're with Jesus. There's a party that follows Jesus. We should be people that celebrate the goodness of God in our lives. However, we're not continuing that series, but we started the year talking about party people, but one of the things we did talk about too was maybe planning some New Year's resolutions, maybe setting some goals for this year. How at the end of this year, you don't want it to look like it did at the end of last year. You want your life to be on a trajectory of better. If you agree, would you say amen? Now, we're not talking about excellence because that's like an end mark. We're talking about better. We want this year to be better than last year and next year to be better than this year. We wanna be in a trajectory of better. But for just a moment, what I want you to do is I want you to think about last year. Think about 2017 for just a moment. And I want you to answer one question as we start this message today. The one question is really simple. What would you say is your biggest regret of last year? Your number one regret, that maybe you have to go back a little bit further than last year, but what is your biggest regret 2017? Some of you know right away. I mean, you just knew it. Just didn't have to think about it. You know what your biggest regret is. Others of you maybe have to go sifting through a pile of options because there's all kind of options of regrets that you might have to be going through. As I was reading about the subject of regrets, I stumbled across an article that I found to be very interesting um, that was about a study that was done by Strayer University where they went to Central Park in New York City and they put up a gigantic chalkboard. I mean, a huge chalkboard, left all kinds of chalk there. They left that up for a 24-hour period of time. And at the top of the chalkboard, they simply wrote this. They wrote, write your biggest regret. And for 24 hours, people would walk by and they would write down their biggest regret on the chalkboard, just anonymously. At, by the end of the day, they had all kinds of answers. And here's just a few of them. Somebody said, not speaking up, not being more, a more attentive husband, not spending more time with my family, big regret, not saving for retirement, not saying I love you. Now, although these aren't coming from the same person, they're, they're, they're probably from multiple people. Not saying I'm sorry. How about this one? Not saying no. Not asking for help sooner. Or regret being not being a better friend. Or not making a move. So they found that in all of these regrets, there was this one word, and I'm sure you heard it, this one word that kept coming up over and over and over again. And I'm sure you caught it. It was the word not. The word not is associated with regrets. People could identify a moment where they did not do something that they wish they would have done something. So regrets tend to be about opportunities not seized. They tend to be about chances not taken, words not spoken, decisions not made, resolutions not kept. That's what regrets tend to be about. You look back and you can see the road that you're on that you realize, though, I missed my exit. I missed the exit ramp. 
I should have exited back there. I, I, I didn't take the exit. I wish that I could go back and take the exit that I missed. Interesting thing about the resolutions uh, that we discovered was research says that we make more resolutions when we're younger than we do when we get older. When we get a little bit older, um, we're more like, yeah, that's just the way it is, just the way it is. Things really aren't gonna change that much, so why would we plan the same resolution that I've done for years? So as we look at 2018, we wanna identify some areas in our lives that we want to be different. Pretty easy, isn't it? Think about an area in your life that you would like to be different than it is right now. And one of the ways to get there, or the way to get there, is we've got to look at the past, and we've got to identify some regrets. This can kind of be hard to do. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, and Luke is going to help us out a whole lot with this. Now, Luke chapter 2 is the Christmas story. So only a couple of chapters ahead of that in Luke chapter 5, Jesus has not really um, launched his earthly ministry um, at this point. It's just kind of beginning. He hasn't called his disciples yet, his 12 uh, guys in his squad and his team. He hasn't he called them yet, but he has developed a reputation as a powerful preacher and as a powerful teacher. And so we're going to discover a little bit later on after Luke chapter 5 that Jesus is going to call his disciples. But this is kind of the preamble for Jesus calling his disciples. Jesus is preaching by the Sea of Galilee. This is also, might say in your Bible, the, 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 the Lake uh, Gennesaret. It's the same. It's the same body of water. It's, it doesn't matter that it's called the Sea of Galilee. <clears throat> but he's preaching there, and this crowd of people is coming. And the crowd is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And Jesus realizes that, they, number one, they can't see him. You, don't, you, don't, you wouldn't like it. I mean, I definitely like coming down on the floor and teaching and preaching. Um, but the problem with that is it feels very personal. People like that. It's because of the personal approach, which is cool for the people in the first few rows. But for the people the further back, they, they want to be able to see. You want to be able to see what's going on. So we don't want to make it uncomfortable for you. So they, Jesus realized that people need to be able to see him. Secondly, they couldn't hear him very well. Can you imagine if you couldn't hear very well? What's, well Jesus knew that that was a problem. So as the crowd began to grow and get strong, uh, bigger and bigger and bigger, we read about Jesus in Luke chapter 5, verse number 2. He says, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So you got these fishermen. Let's stop there. You got these fishermen who had been fishing all night long. That's what they do. That's the shift that they work. They had been fishing all night long, and they were done fishing. It's now the morning time, and they were in, and they were picking up and cleaning up their equipment. How many of you know that it's important that if you have tools, when you're done using the tool, you need to wash the tool or treat the tool so that the tool is ready to be used next time? You don't put it away dirty or put it away wet because then when you go to get it out again, you're going to have a bigger problem than you had before. Yes. So uh, paintbrushes, for example. You can buy a $20 paintbrush and you can be done when you're done, just totally be done and, and leave that thing lay overnight and then you'll have to throw that paintbrush away more than likely because it's gonna be ruined. You need to wash the paintbrush out and do it properly, take the time to do it or you need to spend another $20 again next time to buy another paintbrush. These guys had been fishing and they have to wash their nets. So they were washing their nets on the side of the shore and they, they, they wanna go home and they wanna go to bed because their shift is over, they just wanna crash but Jesus sees there's a couple of boats left on shore, and in verse number three, 
He got into one of the boats, so he wasn't invited. It doesn't appear that he asked to get on the boat. It appears that he just got onto one of the boats, which is kind of interesting about Jesus. And continuing on in verse number three, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Simon is also Peter. His name is going to be changed later to Peter, but Simon Peter's the same person in the Bible. And he asked him to put it out a little further from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So uh, Jesus climbs into the boat that's owned by Simon, owned by Peter. Simon is not yet a disciple of Jesus. Um, He hasn't been given that title or been asked yet to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus. Now, Jesus and Simon uh, are friends. I mean, they have a relationship with each other. I mean, we know already that that Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law. She was very, very sick, and he healed her body. I'm not sure if that brought them closer together or not, but he did that. And so Jesus asks Simon to take him out a little bit, um, and so he can use these uh, like natural acoustics. You know, you get out on the water. Interesting. We were uh, up on the 11th floor, oceanfront room in, on Waikiki uh, Beach, and we were, I mean, we're up there a ways. Beautiful. We like to watch all the little kids running, and it was just wonderful. But when people got out onto the water, even just waist deep, and they start screaming and, oh, it's cold, we could hear them clear as day on the 11th story across the street from where we're at. The acoustics on water, if you don't know, are really good. So Jesus knows this because, well, he created the water, and he said, take me out a little bit so I can be seen and so I can be heard and allow the natural acoustics uh, to, to, to work so that I can teach, so I can teach the crowd. And so he takes them out a little bit, and he teaches the people. I imagine there's a little bit of a pause between these two verses, verse 4 and and verse number 5. When Jesus is done teaching, he decides to go fishing with Simon. Now, that's the last thing that Simon wanted to do, is to go fishing. He had just spent all night long fishing, and they didn't catch anything. He didn't catch anything. He's frustrated, he's tired, he's irritated, he has to be an inspiration to his employees, to his team members, to his partners that are there with him, because they're going home and they're not going home with any pay today, because they didn't catch anything. So Simon's in a bad place at this point, but Jesus wants him to go fishing with him. Look at verse number four. When he had finished speaking, that's Jesus, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I don't know about you, but in my life, there are areas that I feel like I have a little bit more expertise in than maybe um, somebody else might have, okay? So I feel like I can speak to something with a little bit more um, uh, experience. I know you do too. You've got areas in your life that you can speak to it as, as maybe an expert in that field or more experienced in that field. How many of you agree with me that it's a little frustrating that somebody that doesn't know nearly as much as you about what you know about... Um, tries to tell you how to do what you know to do better. You knew how to do what you do before they were even born. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about, yes? I have a feeling that maybe Peter, Simon Peter, is, is feeling this way. I wonder if he's experiencing that just a little bit. Um, you know, Jesus, why don't you stick to speaking and I'll stick to fishing, right? Because I'm a, I'm a professional fisherman. That's what I do all day long. That's my job. That's, that's, that's how I create a living for my family. You're really good at teaching and you're really good at speaking. Why don't, why don't you stay in your lane and I'll stay in my lane, Jesus? Here, how about this? How about, I, I like you, Jesus, but don't interfere with my job. 
Don't interfere with my life. Jesus, I like you on Sundays, but don't interfere with my love life on Friday nights. Jesus, I like what you have to say, but don't interfere with my money. Jesus, you're great, but don't interfere with my entertainment choices. Jesus, I'd like to listen to you teach, but listen to me, I, I don't want your help over here. This is my life. This is my, this can be your lane, but this is my lane. Same thing. Simon answers Jesus in verse number five, and I love how he says it. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. On the third line, after the word anything, there's a period. I'm not going to add anything to scripture, but I suspect that there's a long pause between the two sentences. Master, are you kidding me? We have worked hard all night long. We haven't caught anything. I know what I'm doing. I'm a card-carrying fisherman. I know how to fish. I know when to fish. I know where to fish. There weren't any fish. Are you, are, are you serious? But because you say so, I will let down the nets. But because you say so, I will let down, <coughs> excuse me, the nets. Look at verses six and seven. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat. Where's the other boat, by the way? On the shore, right? There was two boats on the shore. Jesus got the one owned by Simon Peter. There's still another boat. Hey, fellas, get on out here. The acoustics taking it on in there. They bring the boat on out. They continue to come out and help them. They came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Can you imagine how much fun these guys were having? I mean, this has got to be a, this is a, this is this party. This is the celebration going. These guys have got to be high-fiving, chest-bumping. they got to be singing songs together. They were exhausted a few minutes ago. And now, I mean, they had nothing to show for it. And now their boats are filled to the brim full of fish. They had fished all night long. They had nothing. They had now, now they, thank you so very much. Oh, this is even smart water. I probably need that, guys. Watch this. Just give me just a second here. Whoa, illumination. I, can, I see things I couldn't see before now. Trinity, thank you. Um, these guys were profession, professional fishermen. Um, this is the fishing story they're going to tell for the rest of their lives. This is a big one. This is the story. Let me remind you, when they didn't catch anything, it wasn't just a bummer. When I go fishing, because I am not a fisherman, it is expected for me not to catch anything, right? I not only not expect to catch anything, I'm not sure I'd know what to do with one if I did catch it. You know what I'm saying? Get off, get off. I don't know what to do, right? I'm not a fisherman. But, but when professional fishermen go out to fish, yeah, they, they expect to catch something. And when you have a night where you've gone to work all day long and you don't catch a single fish, and you're not going to be able to feed your family, not only are you not going to feed your family the fish, you can't take the fish to market and sell the fish so that you can have money so you can pay your bills, so that you can buy additional groceries. I don't know, so you can pay your donkey payment, whatever it is they did back then, okay? You, you don't have any money. And you've got to tell your squad, your employees, guys, thanks so much for working hard all night long. Yeah, there's no money. 
That's the position that these professional fishermen, this wasn't a casual person going fishing. If they don't catch fish, their families simply don't eat. And so for Simon Peter, for his friends, for his coworkers, for his staff, not catching anything, yeah, that's a big problem. It's like working for hours and hours in the field of sales. 100% commission. You work for hours and hours and hours and, and you, you can't make a single sale. So you can't feed your family. So Simon and his friends, they're a point, they are at a point of discouragement as the night begins to end. And then Jesus comes and suddenly there is a reason to celebrate. So they're having this high five, chest bumping, singing party going on right now because of all the fish in the boat. But here's what I want you to understand. Dial in for just a moment. Unless they had gone through a night of disappointment, the deliverance that Jesus brought would never have meant as much as it did. Unless you go through a night of disappointment, the deliverance that Jesus brings you will never mean as much to you as it does at that, part, that point in your life. If Jesus had gone with them the night before, had he gone out with them at eight o'clock at night when they set sail to go out and go fishing, which is when the fish are out, had Jesus gone with them, well, they would have had a party and the boats would have been filled, the nets would have been tearing, it would have been exciting, but not nearly as exciting as redemption, as after the night of disappointment, finding the miracle, finding the deliverance, finding the healing that God brings, that Jesus brings when he comes on the scene. It, it, it would have been cool for Jesus to have done that the night before, but it wouldn't have been as exciting and it wouldn't have been as impacting. These guys had tried everything they knew. I'm confident of that. They didn't just go out and cast a few lines, throw a net out. Well, that's a bummer. Going home, going to bed. They were trying. I'm sure they dropped their nets here, nothing. They dropped their nets there, nothing. Let's go over here, nothing. They couldn't get anything. Now Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus makes all the difference. One of the messages that rings true over and over again about Simon Peter's life that you read about him throughout the entire New Testament or throughout the entire Gospels is this. This time doesn't have to be like the last time. This time doesn't have to be like the last time. This is a message that I believe a lot of us need to hear because you've tried some things over and over again and they just haven't worked. I mean, you have thrown your nets out. You have done all you know to do year after year and it hasn't made a difference because you've still not caught anything. Yeah, I mean, you're working your tail off. You don't even wanna throw a net out anymore because you're so discouraged. And it starts to feel like, well, this time's gonna be just like the last time. So why even try? Why even try with my marriage? Why even try with that child? Why even try with my job? Why even try to get a promotion? Why even try to get ahead? Why, why even try with God? And we stop trying altogether. Here's what I want to tell you. You could be one time away from your miracle, but you've thrown in the towel, you stop trying, you quit too soon because you let what happened last time affect what you're gonna do this time. Knock it off, just knock it off. Listen, if Simon Peter were here and he was gonna to talk to us, New Life Church 2018, I believe this is what he'd say, this time doesn't have to be like the last time. This time does not have to be like the last time. This time does not have to be like the last time. It's still, it's still Simon. It's the same staff. It's the same boats. It's the same nets. I mean, it's the same everything. Shoot, 
It's the same lake, but if anything, the conditions are worse this time than they were last time. When they went out at night in the shallow water, that's where you fish. When they went out in the heat of the day in the deep water, everybody knows you don't fish in the deep water in the heat of the day. Everybody, you know, that knows about fishing. The difference was Jesus was with him. Maybe in 2017, last year, you made some resolutions. You had some ideas of some things that you wanted to do, some, some areas of your life that you wanted to, to, to have a one, you wanted to turn around in your life. And, and so you worked at it. Guys, you worked at it hard. I mean, you gave it your all. You worked at it all night long, giving it everything you had, but no fish, no fish. Here's my question. Was Jesus in the boat with you? Because if Jesus wasn't in the boat with you, there's not going to be any fish. I think there are four words that makes all the difference to this story, and they're found in Luke chapter 5, verse number 5. If you underline or highlight, I would do this, because this is where we're at, guys, as a church. He says, when Peter speaks to Jesus, after Jesus tells him to put out to deeper waters, and Jesus says, let your nets down, and you know, Peter's been up all night long. Peter gives him the excuse as to why, you know, we tried, we worked hard. But then he says these four words. He says, because you say so. Because you say so. Let me read it to you. Um, uh, Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night long. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. If you ask me, this isn't going to work. <laughs> if I were in charge, that's not what I would do. <laughs> I, I'd like to go on the record as saying we're wasting our time. But because you say so, I'll do it. it it's not that I feel like doing it. It's not that I want to do it. But it's because you say so that I will do it. Listen, Guys, listen, family, listen, new life. You, you're looking for a motto for 2018 for you and your family? How about this one? Because you say so. Because you say so. I mean, maybe you can get that into your children's heads. Ah, because you say so. <laughs> Nothing, by the way, is more frustrating uh, to a child than to hear those words from their parent, right? I mean, uh, your child asks you for something and you say no, and they ask why, and you say because I said so. And that you, can't, well, you can't argue with that, right? They can try to argue with that because I said so. And they start arguing, you're like, because I said so, now go to your room. <laughs> but you know, see, our parents did that to us, and that was frustrating, right? And so <laughs> we do it to them. <laughs> you're welcome, right on. Here's what I'm doing. This is hard to do, but I'm calling New Life Church in our season of growth, in our season of influence, in our season of multiplication, which we're in, I'm calling this church to submission. This is not easy to do, but we must submit. We have to submit. It's tough to accept because I said so, because you say so. Why is that tough to accept? Because we as adults want a reason. We want a guarantee. We want an explanation. That's what we want. Wouldn't it be nice if in this story it kind of went like this? Jesus says to Simon Peter, hey, Peter. I know you're tired. I know you've been out there all night long. I know you and your posse are exhausted. I know you just got done cleaning your nets. I know you'd really like to go to bed. I know that. But if you'll take me out to fish in the deep water, if you'll take me out there and you'll throw your nets overboard, listen, if you'll do that, I'm going to cause your nets to break and your boats to overflow with fish. If you do this for me, if you're obedient to me, then Peter, here's how I'm going to bless you. That is not how I read this story. 
And in fact, that's almost opposite of how we read this story. But this, to me, is what I think we want in our agreement with Jesus Christ. This is what we want in our relationship with our God. We want a guarantee. We want God to give us a reason. Give me an explanation. I'm willing to do some things differently. I'm willing, maybe differently if you're single about my dating life or maybe about my work environment and how I treat people at work. I'm willing to do some different things with my neighbors or with my spouse or with the parents. Fill in the blank. But I'm gonna need some things in writing from you first. I'm gonna need to know that if I do this, Jesus, that you will do something for me. I'm going to need to know I'm willing to, but I don't want to, but I'm willing to as long as I know that there's some kind of guarantee on the other side. If you can tell me that, then I'm cool. That is not how it works. It is obedience first and then the blessing. Not obedience for the blessing. It is obedience first, then the blessing. And oftentimes you discover the blessing is found in the obedience. Peter may have thought Jesus didn't know anything about fishing. In fact, I'm pretty sure Peter thought Jesus did not know anything about fishing. Because he's like, I'm sure he's thinking to himself, what are you, crazy? You want to go fishing in the deep water in the hot of the day? That doesn't even make sense to me. You don't know much about what I know about. But here's what I want you to get about this story. Peter was still willing to obey him no matter what. Peter still, Simon was still willing to obey Jesus even though he didn't think Jesus knew what he was talking about. He was still willing to obey him. And and so Peter learned something very powerful about Jesus. He learns that Jesus knows everything about anything. (laughs) Jesus knows more about your job than you do. Jesus knows more about your child than you do. Jesus knows more about your spouse than you do. And Jesus knows more about you than you do. He knows. And that's why you can trust him enough to say, well, because you say so. Because you know more about me than I know about me. So because you say so. That's the rock that I'm going to plant my life on. That's the foundation for me. Because you say so. Remember, Jesus did not need Peter's help. Jesus went and got on one of the boats. He's like, take me out a little bit so I can teach these people. They can hear me and they can see me. Mm, If Jesus wanted to, he's a son of God. He could have created a first century Bose sound system like that if he wanted to, right? He could have done that. In fact, Jesus didn't need the boat to amplify his voice. He could have just walked out on that water because a little bit later on in scripture, we're gonna see he walked out on water. Jesus did not need Peter at all. Jesus chose, listen to me, to use Peter when he was the most disappointed, the most frustrated, the most uh, wanting, lacking in his life, when he was down, when he was tired, when he was at the end of his rope. All he wanted to do was wash his nets and go home, man. Sulk a little bit. And that's when Jesus came on the scene. Jesus came on the scene and he took an opportunity to grab someone who would not want to be obedient but who would choose to be obedient no matter what. Oh my, we've got a key here to unlock something powerful in your life and in my life. And so Peter responds out of obedience and he was blessed, man. He was blessed. Look at verse number five again. Simon answered, master, 
we've worked hard all night long and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. What does Peter call Jesus there? Master. He doesn't say teacher. He doesn't say um, um, uh, consultant. He doesn't say suggester. Uh, There's so much freedom when we can accept that Jesus is our master. He is the Lord of our lives. He's in control, and we are not in control. But we have to submit to his control, and we're going to experience blessing in our lives. There's freedom. It's hard to get there, but when you get there, there's freedom in it. Some of y'all are there. Some of y'all are fighting it. Are you fighting it? You are fighting it. We think there's freedom in doing whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it. We think there's freedom in that. There ain't freedom in that. There's a there's something. You, there's a title. You there's a title for people that do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. it whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. We call the, there's a title for these people. You know what they're called, David? They're called two year olds. Is what they're called, right? We call them two year olds. You do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. Grow up. It's about submission to Jesus. There is freedom and submission. And so my challenge for you, my challenge for us, is to live this year out with an attitude that says, because you say so. Because you say so. So let's practice it together this morning, this afternoon. On the count of three, when I get to three, I want you to say, because you say so. One, two, three. Come on, you guys did so good. You did better than the 9 a.m. gathering. Probably because y'all are more awake and you had some food in your bellies. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. That's pretty easy, pretty easy. Pretty easy to say because you say so when we're talking generically. So I've written down a few things a little more specific this morning. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity to say because you say so. So I'm gonna read a few things that I jotted down. There's a lot more. God's gonna present these to you on your own time and in your own way and he's gonna show you in his word. But I'm gonna show you a couple things today. And when I say the word but, that's your cue to say because you say so. You ready for this? Jesus Giving generously and joyfully of my finances is hard for me. Seems like a lot to ask from somebody who doesn't have very much. But, mm, snap. Jesus, I don't feel like forgiving him. I don't want to forgive her. Not after what he did. Not after what she put me through. But, Jesus, I don't want to confess my sin. I want to keep it a secret. It's embarrassing. It's uncomfortable. But, this one's just for the husbands. Jesus, I don't feel like loving my wife sacrificially or putting her needs above my own, but. <laughs> well, that was a little bit better. Uh, you were in the first gathering, so you knew what's coming, and uh, I thought, well, maybe the second gathering will do better, so Ramal, you get an A. I appreciate that. The rest of you, I mean, it was right there. I just threw a slow pitch to you, and I gave you a chance to hit it out, out of the... Um, you had an opportunity, and you missed. Um, all you had to do was swing, fellas. So I'm going to try it again. And I want you to say it a little bit louder, a little more authority, because you say so. Are you ready for this? Uh, Jesus, I don't feel like loving my wife sacrificially or putting her needs above my own, but... That's what I'm talking about, guys. That's a, that's a triple. Congratulations. How about the wives? Jesus, I don't feel like respecting my husband. I respect him when he deserves respect. I don't feel like putting his needs above my own needs, but. Because you say so. Snap, right on. I'm glad. Because you say so. We miss opportunities, and we look at the past with so many regrets. We were younger. Um, we had, I had neighbors when I was a kid. Dwight and Anita Brown, they're both with the Lord now. 
Dwight and Anita lived next door to us, and I had a really bad childhood. Um, and Dwight was a, a good influencer in my life. Uh, I would go sit on his front step with him, and he would bring me out an ice cream, and we'd just sit and talk. And it was a great, one of those just great neighbors in the Midwest. And uh, um, I, he would take me out shooting Thursday nights at Isaac Walton Leagues, which was a trap shooting place. Taught me how to trap shoot, and it was great. Um, when they were celebrating, I thought they were really old at the time, and now I realize they weren't old at all. <laughs> um, but when they were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, um, I was engaged. My wife and I were engaged. And so we went and, and had a, some cake with them in the reception. And, and I, I looked at Dwight, and I said, man, 50 years, you guys are amazing. And um, uh, I was newly saved, and I knew that they were saved. I knew they had been saved their whole lives, but I, I had just recently gotten committed my life to Jesus. And um, I, I ask, you know how you ask a question already knowing the answer? Uh, you think you know the answer, and you discover you don't know the answer? Well, that was one of those times for me. And I said to Dwight, I said, and Anita, I said, man, I bet you guys just, you don't have any regrets at all, do you? And immediately, without even, I mean, just, just immediately, oh, we've got all kinds of regrets. Well, that's not what I expected to hear. I thought for sure that he was going to be like, no, we don't. We just, she is awesome, and so is he. But no, they were just being real. Everybody has regrets. Everybody has something, has something that they regret. God, here's what I know. God will repair the damage of the past when we begin to submit our current decisions to him. Let me say that again. God will repair the damage of the past when we begin to submit our current decisions to him. I'm not saying that just because it sounds good. It's a good tagline. I'm saying that because that identifies my life. So Peter and his gang, they're in the boats, and they're pulling in all these fish, and they're having a blast. Somehow, Peter just he gets overwhelmed with, with what's going on in the moment, the significance of the moment. And in verse number eight, it says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I want you to picture this. They're in the boat. The other boats come out. The nets are breaking. The fish are in the boat. Peter falls down at Jesus. He just falls down at Jesus' knees. So he didn't just fall down on his knees because he would have been like a Jesus like belly button, right? He fell down like prostrate on the ground. What's he laying on? Fish. Just fish flopping all over the place. I mean, he's down low, probably up on his elbows and just flopping around fish. And he's just takes this time, regardless of what's happening, regardless of how foolish he might look. It doesn't matter even how many fish died in the process of him dropping down. I don't know. They're just flopping all over the place. And he, and he does two things. He, he, he repents and he confesses. That's the formula to unlocking a new future, guys, is repentance and confession. After this, we're going to see that Jesus is going to invite Peter to become one of his disciples. But I think Jesus was waiting for Peter to acknowledge his unworthiness, to acknowledge his sinfulness, and that new path was going to come up. When we repent and when we confess, it's a way of handing God the broken pieces of our lives. And only God can repair our lives. Listen, it's hard to repair something if pieces are being withheld. I'm not a repairman but I'm a dad, so therefore, I'm a repairman. Everybody understand what I'm talking about, yes? Your kids think you can fix anything. Daddy, fix it. I'll try. And you can try to fix anything as long as you have all the pieces. 
But if you don't have, there's nothing more frustrating than trying to repair something when you don't have all the pieces. If the pieces are being withheld from you, you can't bring repair to the brokenness. And the same thing with Jesus. If we're withholding some of the pieces of our broken lives, because that's not your lane, Jesus. You have no business in that part of my life, Jesus. If we're withholding some of the broken pieces from him, he cannot repair. What makes something beyond repair is when the necessary pieces are not being surrendered. When you give up those pieces, repair can take place. When we give all of our broken pieces to Jesus, he repairs, he redeems, he restores, and he rebuilds. That's what he does. Jesus then replies to Peter in Luke chapter 5, verse number 10, and look at what he says. Then Jesus said to Simon, he said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. Guys, see, the story isn't about fish. Because the Bible just got done telling you what they did with those fish. They left the boats, they left the nets, and they left the fish behind. That was a cash cow. And they walked away from it all. And they followed Jesus. See, it's not about the fish. See, the blessing wasn't even what they thought the blessing was. They thought the blessing was the fish caught in the middle of the, caught, caught in the, middle of the heat of the day and in the deep water. That wasn't the blessing. The blessing was the 180-degree turnaround. That's the blessing. <laughs> I hope you're getting this this morning. They started as fishermen. They started the day as fishermen. It was a long day, John. Started started at 7 o'clock at night. And here it is, 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning, noon, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, catching all the fish. By the time they haul all those fish in, it's probably got to be 3 or 4 o'clock. It's been a long day. Emotions up and down. Talk about bipolar, right? Up and down, up and down, up and down. I mean, we all get that way from time to time, don't we? Just we're up and then we're down, then we're up. What is going on here? But it wasn't about the fish. They ended the day as fishers of men, being put on a new path. They, they had turned some things around. It was a divine 180-degree turnaround because Jesus repaired. Because Jesus repaired. Later on, I'm, I'm a, an Easter. I believe it or not, I'm already working on my Easter message um, for April 1st. I'm going to preach an illustrated message this year, should the Lord continue to direct me in that way, um, for Easter. And I, I'm really excited about it. I'm going to talk about um, John's reference to Peter at the end of his life. And you know, remember Peter, he messes up, doesn't he? Uh, maybe you don't remember. Peter messes up over and over again. I mean, he got called by Jesus here. You'd think he'd follow Jesus for the rest, but he denies Jesus, messes up. He's pretty... Um, spontaneous in some of the things he says and how he says it. He's got to learn and grow and, and be mature a lot, like I do, like, like you do. <laughs> but at the end of his life, there's, there, at the, the end of the, the ministry of Jesus, before Jesus ascends into heaven, after Jesus died and was resurrected again, we find that, that Peter had denied, Jesus, um, had denied Jesus three times. After Peter had denied Jesus three times, and Jesus goes to uh, reinstate him. They, they find that Peter is out fishing. How, how did Peter get there? Well, it says in Scripture that Peter returned to the boats. What boats did he return to? Well, the two boats he left on the shore when he stopped to follow Jesus three years earlier. So three years later, the boats are still sitting there. 
Peter gave up everything to gain everything. We give up the things we love for the things we love even more. That's what a divine turnaround is all about. I'd like you to close your eyes just for a moment, please. I wonder if, if uh, I'm not even wonder. I know, I know that there's some folks in here today that you're, uh, you need a turnaround. There's an area or a few areas of your life that you know you need a 180. You, need, you, you missed your exit, man, and you just keep on driving. That's like the definition of insanity. You keep on going down the road. I don't know. I suppose if you go all the way around the world, you'll see your exit again, but that's not a reality. You missed your exit. You know you missed your exit. How about we just stop and go back? How about we turn around? Listen, don't keep doing what you're doing, hoping to get a better result. Turn around. Maybe you need to turn around in the area of relationships, or maybe it's in the area of, of discipline, or maybe it's in the area of watching your eyes and what they're taking in through your eye gate. I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's in the area of your marriage, or maybe it's in the area of your future, your finances. It's time to turn around, guys. It's time to turn around. Maybe there's somebody in here today that, you know, your whole life needs to turn around. You realize that, um, I mean, you've gone to church, and with all due respect, you played church really well. But you know, and God knows, that that's exactly what it is. It's superficial at best. And, and God is saying, why don't you just give it all to me? Why don't you just give it all to me? Let me be the Lord of your life. And because I said so, follow me. Maybe that's the decision you need to make, but maybe you've already made that decision, but there's this other side of your life that you see this, this part of your life is just, it needs a 180. You got to turn around. It's time to get it repaired. I tell you what, God is in the business of taking the broken pieces of your life and making a masterpiece out of it, but you got to give him all the broken pieces. So if, you're, if your answer to the question is, yes, I'm the person I'm one of the people that needs to give my whole life to Jesus, surrender it all to him. I'm the one that needs to submit my life to Jesus. Or maybe you're in the other group that says, you know, there's this area of my life that I've been holding on to, that I've been saying, Jesus, stay out of this area of my life. Jesus, stay in your own lane and don't, don't get into this part of it. And, and now it's time, I realize, it's, it, Troy, it's time for me to submit to Jesus in this area of my life. If your answer to either one of those questions is a yes, I'm going to ask you to do something very courageous today. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I want you to stand. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm asking you to stand. There's something about taking a stand. Just stand. Just with great conviction, great power, you're going to stand and take a stand for this turnaround in your life. Are you ready? One, two, three, stand, just stand. Don't hesitate, just stand. You know it, between you and God, it's time to take a stand. It's time to make a change. It's time to do a turnaround. It's time to do a 180. Take a stand, take a stand, take a stand. You're standing and you're saying, God, I know this is, you know this is the area. You know me better than I know me. And you knew before this gathering today that I was going to need to take a stand. And so God, I am taking a stand for you today. But with Jesus, there's always more. There's always more to be had. There's always more to discover. With Jesus today, I don't think the answer is just taking a stand because he doesn't just want you to stand. 
He wants you to move, move forward in your walk, move forward in your life, move forward in your relationship. So we're not just going to stand, but today we are going to take a step. We are going to take a step. So when I get to three, you're going to take a step. Symbolically, you're going to get out of your seat. I don't care if you elbow the person to your left or to your right. Get out of your seat and take some steps and walk to this altar and stand up front here at the church. And I'm going to bless you before you go today. And we're going to expect God is going to do something miraculous because you say so, God. I will take a step of faith today. Are you ready? One, two, three. Take a step. Take a step. Get out of your seat. Come on down to this altar. Say, God, I'm moving forward. I'm not stopping. I'm not stagnating. But I'm moving ahead in my walk with you, God, today. I am taking a step of faith, trusting you, God. You are in control, and I am not in control. And I yield myself to you, oh God. Help me, God, I pray. Help me, God, I pray. Just lift your hands up to the Lord right now. Close your eyes and just submit to him. God, I submit to you. I submit to you. I give it to you, God. I give it all to you, God. I'm not gonna withhold anything. My life is your life, God. My, my heart is your heart. My will is your will. Oh God, I submit it all to you because you say so. Because you say so. Because you say so. Oh Jesus, move in our hearts, move in our minds. Help us to experience freedom that is found in submission today. Jesus, we confess you as our Lord. We confess you as our Savior. We thank you, God, that the slate is wiped clean. God, we ask for miracles to help us change and be transformed from glory to glory to glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look at me for a second. Listen, today you didn't just take a stand, but you took a step of faith. This is a big deal. This isn't something that you just look at and say, yeah, I just went forward to the church. Listen, what you did today is symbolically say to the enemy, you outwardly declared an inward faith and saying to the enemy, I am no longer going to stay on the same path. I'm changing. I am being transformed. Today is a new day in Christ Jesus, and I have taken a step forward. And I believe, like Peter, because you say so, you're going to be blessed by God. But here's the wonderful thing. Here's the kicker in it all. You're going to look and say, oh, the blessing must be found in the fish. But it's not found in the fish. It's found in the turnaround. And you're going to have a turnaround. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest. And may he give you peace. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Friends, you are dismissed. Have a great Sunday in Jesus. Amen. Amen. And amen.